Imagine being present, calm, and connected while creating a family environment where everyone can thrive. Welcome to the I Am Mom Parenting Podcast, providing inspiration and actionable steps to manifest the meaningful and magical life you desire for you and your family. We are your hosts, Dimple Aurora, founder of Mindful Evolution and Shaista Fateli, founder of Thrive Kids. Thank you for sharing the I Am Mom journey with us. Let's get started. Today's episode in our expert series is all about money. Most would agree that money is required for us to live our most authentic lives. We need it, right? We need it to buy food, entertainment, the comforts of life. And even though this may seem obvious, the process of transforming your relationship with money is anything but obvious. Our guest today is Zara Kaku. She is a widow, a mother, a daughter, and financial coach, as well as an author and public speaker. As a financial professional for over 20 years, Zara has seen firsthand how often women let fear stop them from taking an active role in their finances. Today, Zara is going to talk to us about how women can build wealth and crush patriarchy one dollar at a time. Thank you so much for joining us today, Zara. We're so excited to have you. I'm excited to be here as well. I'm I'm pumped for this uh, podcast. <laughs> oh, we are so excited about this topic. We have so much to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> So you say that you are a money coach. Now, I'd love to know more about what that is, because it's not very common. You always hear about financial advisors and different uh, people like that. But money coaches are not, it's like an up and coming thing, right? So can you please tell us what led you to becoming a money coach? Yeah, so um, my my husband passed away in uh, 2015, and um, being somebody who had been in financial services for so long, uh, the financial piece of our lives, we didn't. I didn't really focus too much on it because I thought I can figure that out. You know, we we had some loose ends that we had to tie up. We had six months um, kind of notice before uh, it was going to happen, and so we had a bunch of other loose ends that we need to we needed to tie up and um didn't I didn't really focus on the financial stuff because I thought I can figure it out and after he passed I realized that there were so many things that I just had said early on that I was going to supervise and I really didn't end up supervising a lot of those things and you know got busy with you know watching our daughter and taking care of our daughter and doing all that stuff that there was things that I just didn't notice that were happening and so after he passed away I really struggled with um, grieving as well as handling a lot of the financial aspects that needed to be taken care of and um, you just managing those things like, you know, uh, I, I was finding that I wasn't opening my bills. I wasn't paying credit cards on time. I wasn't uh, doing a lot of things like I wasn't tracking expenses or anything like that because I wasn't accustomed to doing it. He always did it. Mm -hmm. And so 
it made me realize that if I'm struggling with this, how many other women could be struggling with this without even a financial services background? So it led me to really start the financial coaching and, and help other women so that if ever they're in this situation, uh, God forbid, they're able to, you know, be able to handle it in a much better way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's an that's amazing. And first of all, our deepest condolences to you Thank for you. the loss Thank of you. your husband. And it's so great to see how you have come out so strong and empowered. It is really inspiring to see what who you are and what kinds of challenges you have come across that you have been able to supersede. So congratulations on that. Now, one of the things that you talked about is that you had a lot of where you had to grieve a lot as well as take care of your daughter, which meant that you had to pay some of those bills, take her to activities, have different items for her kids grow up and they need clothes. And so how did you end up prioritizing what you needed to spend on and what you needed to save? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And so I think the first thing I did was I I started to realize that I was spinning out of control, that I I just Mm -hmm. didn't know what was happening. Like money was coming in and going out, but I just didn't know where it was all going. And so really I I sat down and I printed off all our statements, uh, credit card statements, bank account statements, and I went through everything line by line because I needed to know what the income was that was coming in, what my fixed expenses were, you know, like things to live on. And then what was things that I could control and maybe uh, cut back on a little bit or see like, am I using it? And so one of the biggest things that I realized was bank fees. (laughs) Like we had a bunch of bank accounts kind of all over the place. And I realized like we're paying bank fees for, for accounts that we don't even use. And so I really started to consolidate everything into like one spot. And um, for me, it made it really easy if I just had separate accounts for everything. Mm -hmm. And so one main account where, you know, my paycheck was coming into, but then um, I had different accounts for things, you know, so my daughter plays hockey. And so I was, I'm always putting away a certain amount of money every single month into the hockey fund account so that when hockey mm-hmm. fees come up, I have the funds already saved up for it. And it's not one big hit at one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a gr- it's a great, great strategy to do that. Um, such a great, I didn't ever think of doing anything like that. <laughs> like just <laughs> um, having separate accounts. Now is, are these separate accounts with one bank account? How does that work? I'm so Yeah. So, so, um, I bank with TD and, um, okay. not, not a plug for them or anything, but, um, I like, I have a regular checking account and then you can open up as many savings accounts as you want. And yeah. the really cool thing about different banks is that you can rename those accounts. So I have one that's like travel account and I have one that's like emergency fund and I have one that's like Zianna's hockey fund and I have one that's you know Mm -hmm. clothing fund and and as the money goes in then um and once it's I, I find for me and I find for other people that once it's placed in those accounts 
you don't feel bad about spending the money that's in that account because it was earmarked for that specific item, you know, versus if it's just on your credit card and you're paying it off, you Mm -hmm. kind of feel like, oh, what am I doing? I'm always spending this money. But now that it's been earmarked, uh, so similar to, you know, Christmas, you know, putting money aside for Christmas as well. Mm, I love that. You know, we, we do, we do do that as well. And we have these buckets, right? Yeah. And, and it really helps to have a car repair fund. I find car repair fund or any emergency repair fund, right? It's really, is a really, really good idea. And, you know, there's a lot of families who are living on a fixed income, right? So they live paycheck to paycheck. And maybe they perhaps don't have the money to put away in these little buckets. Like they want to have a vacation fund, but they don't have the extra income to put into that fund. What do you suggest for those families? So I think one of the biggest things when you're living kind of paycheck to paycheck is again, still look at your expenses, right? Like go through and see, you know, if there are things like maybe there's subscriptions, maybe there is cable, maybe, you know, like really evaluate how often are you actually watching TV that's cable TV versus Netflix or Prime, Mm. you know? And so maybe you can afford to cancel your cable and that'll kind of give you free up some cash. And so really going through and checking to see what it is that where your money is going. And then once you know where your money is going, and if there's still nothing left over at the end of the month, then maybe look at things like um, maybe starting a side hustle, you know, starting Mm -hmm. something that's going to get you some more money. Um, You know, things like Uber, skip the dishes, uh, Instacart, right? You can do a lot of those things. And the one that's my favorite that I love to tell people about all the time, we all have children. We all have things in our house that we buy that we no longer use. Just walk around with a box or I do like a, I do a a laundry basket and I just walk around. Don't like this. Don't like this. Don't like this and put it in there. And a lot of people will say, well, I don't want to take pictures of each item individually and put it up on Facebook marketplace. I just put garbage bag, garbage bag, um, girls clothing, this size, this much, and people Mm. will come and get it. And that's, that's money that you've just got into your pocket. So it's a good way that you can get rid of a lot of clutter in your house, um, as well as uh, make some good cash. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that is a really good. <laughs> that's the that's the issue I have. I don't want to yes. p- take a picture of each thing and post it. So I'll put it in the garbage bags and then I'll just drive to Salvation Army and drop it off. That, and these are really good things, right? Like that. Yeah. Um, and there's also people out there that have um businesses. Like I, I know that where yeah. I live, there are some people that do this as a business where you drop off your stuff to them and then they'll sell it. And and they'll keep 40% or 50% and then you get the difference. And so um, mm-hmm. sometimes I do that as well, because that's at least I'm getting 50% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever's left over, it just goes straight to Salvation Army as well. It's so interesting that you said that because my sister and I have this, this dilemma, right? So she is always encouraging me to sell things. And <laughs> I feel like I just don't have the energy or the time commitment to do it. And she's always doing it. And she makes loads of money from selling things. And I have so much to sell. And then I just get fed up. And then I just end up (laughs) donating it. Right. But since we moved into this new home, 
I have big ticket items that I haven't sold just because, right. And I was like, somebody just needs to start a business where they come to my house and they do this service for me. I would would say, look around, look into your, um, like Facebook groups. There are people that do this actually as a living. And there's another idea for you. If you're listening and you're, you know, um, having a paycheck to paycheck cycle, maybe it's a great business for you to start as well. It's pretty (laughs) low key. You know, you just got to take pictures and post things on Facebook. Exactly. Really cool. Um, One of the questions that I really wanted to ask you has been really sparked by the pandemic. So during the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs or unexpected events came around and people were dipping into emergency funds. What is your opinion on an emergency fund? Should we create one? How should we create one? How big should it be? What can you tell us about emergency funds? Yes. So the um, the financial gurus of, I call them of ancient times, you know, there are some men that um, have been around for years, um, have always recommended a thousand dollar emergency fund. And um, that is not applicable anymore in our day and age. If you think about a thousand dollars, like, you know, Dimple just mentioned car repairs. Like, I don't think you can get car repairs done in a thousand dollars, you know, Um, if there's some sort of anything that happens, like your furnace goes out or anything like that, that thousand dollars gets eaten up pretty quick. And you're constantly replenishing that emergency fund. So what I recommend to my clients is to ensure that they have a $3,000 base emergency fund. And that's a good base to start off with. And then to work yourself up to seven months worth of income in an emergency fund. Now, the reason I say seven months worth is because look at what's just happened with the pandemic. A lot Mm. of people were out of work actually for seven months. And so to be able to have that luxury to be like, in case something like this ever happens again, I know I've got seven Mm -hmm. months worth of income Mm -hmm. that's going to cover my day-to-day expenses for me so that I can still manage and not have to sell my home or not be not able to feed my children or any of that stuff. And so to have that peace of mind and so Mm -hmm. to work yourself up to that seven months worth. Wow. And, and do you feel that uh, people, like, do you feel that people have a, uh, a spending problem sometimes? Like they're spending beyond their means? And, and what should those people do? Like, you, are you saying they should create a budget or how should it work? Yeah, I, I always think that creating a budget and I'm not somebody that's going to judge and shame somebody, you know, like if you're somebody that um, you need to have your latte from Starbucks every single day because you're a better person for it, then <laughs> work that into your budget and ensure that it's there. And maybe there's a couple of other things that you may not do, you know, in order to do that. And so really creating a budget that's realistic for you. Um, these cookie cutter budgets don't really work for everybody. And mm-hmm. so working it so that it works for you and your life and then look at it realistically and so an activity I did with um, my group just yesterday was take your monthly statement just the last 30 days and take three different highlighter colors and pick three categories so the normal categories of overspending are eating out you know or skip the dishes um, shopping and you know maybe Amazon, you know, those are kind of the the three categories. And so highlighting those in the three different colors.
colors and then getting a total and then just trying to beat it next month. So really being like, okay, so this month I spent $200 on Amazon. Maybe next month I'll, I'll, keep, I'll try to keep it to 150. And then when you start making it a game like that, it makes it more easy and more attainable versus cutting it out cold turkey. And then um, what ends up happening is that you relapse and you binge and you go on a binge shopping spree and it doesn't work. So um, more of that sort of items where you're, you're taking it and you're going piece by piece and you're just trying to cut it down slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, that, that, it's so um, wonderful to hear you say that, because when you look at it from that perspective, right, when you're, I mean, for me, I'll just go on Amazon, and I'll just like click the how easy is it, you just yeah. press the button, right? And it's yes. in your cart. And literally two seconds later, it's at your doorstep. But if you actually go back and look at the statements, and try and make a focused effort in cutting down some of that, it would help with the savings. Now, if we're prioritizing these savings, how should we invest in what we have left over? And if we do have any funds left over, I know for myself, I would have an insecurity about investing and how much to invest. It sounds like investing, you would have to invest a huge sum of money. What do you suggest? Yeah, so I think it's um, a lot of the times we've been brought up to say save. And so we think safe. And so we uh, we automatically think savings account. But what happens is that interest rates and savings accounts don't keep up with inflation. And so, uh, you know, somebody can put in $5,000 into a savings account and mm-hmm. keep it there for five years and have only $5,000 and like $1 after the five years, you know, because of how oh. slow the, the interest rates are. The, mm-hmm. If you invest that same $5,000 into the the market, uh, you could end up with $9,000 after five years. And so Mm -hmm. that's where it becomes a bit more of a game of, you know, making things compound and compound quicker so that you end up attaining your goals quicker. And so the biggest thing is to actually just let go of the fear. And if you have your emergency fund set up, then really go in and start investing. And you don't need a whole lot of money to start investing. It can just be $100 a month going into an investment account. Uh, The biggest thing is to be doing it regularly and consistently and having it going into something that's going to be an investment vehicle that's going to grow over time, not something that's stagnant, like a savings account. Mm. You know, where, do, where do people, what do people invest in? Yeah. So my recommendation always is to have people invest into um, ETFs. So uh, that's always the best thing because what it is, instead of picking individual stocks, I think that's where a lot of people get fear is like, mm-hmm. I'm going to put all my money into, you know, let's, let's just say I like Aritzia. So I'm going to buy Aritzia stock. Well, one thing it, it's a high price stock. So it takes a lot of money to buy that stock. Um, but then, you know, it's, everything is just in one basket, but if you buy like a, a an ETF, you can get 500 of the top companies in America 
all in one. And so it's the top 500 companies and they're all in different industries. And so you're getting the benefits of all the different industries and just by one investment. The fees are normally lower and the returns are, are good as well. And so it's a great way to get started. It's just one thing, you just pick it and you put the money in there and you're good to go. That is so enlightening. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, this year, one of my biggest focuses is is wanting to really be clear on my finances. Because like you said, when you became uh, widowed back in 2015, you started avoiding your finances. And I also went through a period where I, when I did that, and I never went into our bank accounts, pr probably for about a decade, never <laughs> looked in our bank accounts, would never look at a bill because I just had a fear right? And I didn't want to see it. And I couldn't, I couldn't process it. It was just too much, right? So this is, it's so enlightening. So speaking of fear, do you believe that some people carry subconscious money blocks? Yes, I, I do. I think um, all of us have been, we're, we're not born knowing that, mm. you know, money is good or bad. We're taught yes. this. And so it's, it's from young age, you know, we've all heard our parents say money doesn't grow on trees. Yes. Uh, you know, we can't afford that sweetheart, you know, all, all of those, all those things as we've been growing up and that's, sh that's shaped our minds and it's mm. shaped our relationship with money. And so money is neutral. Um, you know, there, there are people that get money and they do amazing things with it. You know, um, I talked about, uh, Jeff Basil's wife. So mm -hmm. she's donated more in the two years that she's been divorced than Jeff Basil's has in his whole entire life. Oh. And so it, it just talks about this, the tale of two people. And so, you know, some people will get money and they'll do amazing things with it. Like Jeff Basil's wife. And then there are some people that will get money. And if they are, you know, people that are greedy and, you know, mm -hmm. um, self-centered and all of that, they're going to do other things with it. And so, um, sometimes we're taught as children that, you know, um, only bad people have money or, you know, yes. people with money are bad, all of that. And that really shapes our minds and it shapes our relationship with money. And so if we approach money as it being a neutral piece, and that it just amplifies who's ever hands it in. We tend to have a different relationship with money at that point then. Mm -hmm. that is, that's such a good point. I, so, so you're saying, what I hear you saying is to clear money blocks is to see it as neutral, just kind of like an exchange of energy is what I've heard people say. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. So, it's Sometimes people are doing these affirmations like I'm a money magnet, I'm so abundant. So is is affirmations and visualizing enough? Right? Um it, it's, it's not enough, but I think one of the biggest things is to go back and think about your first money memory mm -hmm. and really think about what that was and and really think about it from the basis of okay, money is neutral and it's just an exchange of energy. And so really think about that money memory and, and like, think about how it made you feel and, and break through that, uh, you know, that process of it, you know, really break down what it did to you, how it shaped you. Do you believe that money doesn't grow on trees? Mm -hmm. You know, do you believe that 
um, in an abundance mindset, you know, that there's, there's money for everybody. There's enough money in the whole world for everybody. You just have to be yes. able to create it. And so um, that is the biggest thing there. And then um, affirmations, they do work. You know, if you are, you know, seeing affirmations on a daily basis, it's going to help you um, as well as gratitude. I think gratitude is a mm -hmm. huge one. Yeah, absolutely. And these are a lot of the skills we also want to teach our children. And you, you mentioned that these money blocks start from when we are really young. So from what we hear, how can we teach our children the importance of money and financial literacy, but also not contribute to a money blockage or uh, a mindset that won't work for them? Yeah, I think it's good to have open conversations about money. I know that um, when we were children, we couldn't ask our parents how much money they made. And so I think it's just breaking those barriers down and really having a conversation. I always say budget. And when you're doing budgeting, do it as a family and everybody's involved in the budgeting process, because then everybody understands as to, you know, why we can't go to McDonald's again for the 15th time, you know, mm. and it's not, it's not that mommy's being mean. It's because it's not in our budget. And, and, you know, when they understand that, that it's like, okay, we're saving for a vacation, you know, so we have to maybe cut down a little bit on going to McDonald's, you know, this month, because we have a vacation coming up, then everybody mm -hmm. is on board with what's happening in the family situation, as well as with the budget, and everybody understands the costs of things. So I think that is the biggest thing is to involve them, no matter how small they are, just everybody sits at the table, and you do the budget together and, you know, mm -hmm. explain it, and have everybody, you know, look at the budget and understand the budget. And then, um, the other piece is that all kids get, you know, money, birthday money, uh, you know, yes. Christmas money, all of that. It's when they get the money to teach them what to do with it. And so um, a lot of people will have different piggy banks, you know, yes. and so teaching their children to split it up between like spending, savings and donations. Uh, you can even do like uh, envelopes for them to learn how to do that. And just, it, it's a good math lesson too, that they learn how to split it up, but they, they learn that when they get money, they mm -hmm. have to split it in certain different ways. And so um, that gets them into the habit of it so that when they are older, they understand that when money comes in, it needs to be split up in these three different ways. Mm. That's excellent. Uh, sorry. You know, I, uh, that brought, brought up something for me actually that I've, I see in certain families. So in families where money is no issue and those kids can go pick out anything they want at any time, how, do, how does a family like that uh, teach their children financial abundance without kind of creating this sense of entitlement or overspending habits that are toxic? I think it's all just about conversations. I think it's just having those open, healthy conversations with your children. And so it's like, uh, you, just recently, I was just having a conversation with my daughter about, she said, well, how great 2020 was because she got a hoverboard and she got this <laughs> um, Nintendo Switch. And I said, it, it's great that we had the ability to do that, but just know that maybe they're not, well, may not always be the ability to do that because as our goals change and as things change, 
those kind of things can change. And so just reminding them that 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 is not always the case and, and just so that they're aware of it, you know, and then having open conversations like like my daughter will always play with me like would you rather right and so you can always <laughs> do the would you rather game right, would you rather have you know you know, all the teddy bears in the world, or would you like to go on a vacation, you know, yeah. and so really getting them to think about those things. And, and then if they say, no, I want to have a room full of teddy bears and ask them, okay, well, why would you want to have a room full of teddy bears, you know, and just really have that conversation and, and help them realize that maybe there are different goals mm -hmm. in life that you can work towards versus attaining things, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking of children and money, one question, actually two questions I see quite a bit in groups is around allowance and around bank accounts. Yes. How does that work? <laughs> so um, I know that there's uh, two schools of thoughts on allowance. I, I believe in allowance personally, uh, because I think it's, it's the only way that we can actually teach our children to have financial literacy is by giving them money and seeing what they do and letting them make the mistakes with the money, you know? And so really, I think as a parent, we have to learn sometimes to sit back. And if your child wants to buy that dumb $2 toy at Dollarama <laughs> that you know is going to break, let them yeah. buy it, let it break, and then have a conversation with them about it and really, really teach them about the value of money and, and, and think about it and get them to the point where they understand that if they can, you know, maybe not spend all the time on the $2 things, they could save up for something bigger in the future. As well as bank accounts, uh, you can open up bank accounts for babies. And so having a bank account, um, my daughter just recently, I gave her her own debit card. So she has her own bank account. She has her mm. own debit card. It's mm. still linked to me. I can still see what's going on, but she's got that freedom to be able to do whatever she wants. And it opens it up to more conversations, you know, where she'll say, well, I have the money for it. And then it's having those conversations like, okay, yes, you may have the money for it, mm -hmm. but is it really something you want to spend this much money on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it gives them the opportunity to learn and grow. And, and as parents, we have to sometimes let them make those mistakes because it's not going to be huge mistakes. It's not going to be like tens of thousands of dollars that they're going to make mistakes on. So let them make the mistakes and then have a conversation with them afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think that's also a really great way of changing this money mindset that we all grew up in, right? Like right, yeah. We weren't given bank accounts or debit cards and we didn't make any mistakes. So <laughs> now when we do, we're not sure how to handle it, right? Yes. It's, it's, yeah. We need someone like you to help us overcome <laughs> that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little, um, maybe a little story around some of the clients that you have worked with that have overcome maybe money blockages or if they were in debt and came out of that? Any kind of um, experience that we can relate to. Yeah. Um, so I had a client who, you know, had her own business, 
did really, really well. Um, and she always knew in her head that, you know, this number that she had in her head that she knew she needed this number every single month in order to meet her monthly obligations. And, um, but she just never really knew where all her money was going. And so her and I worked together on her financials. And so we, we went through her statements and really got her to look at things. And, and we realized that one of her biggest areas where her money was going was uh, to eating out and not, you know, and there, therefore she was unable to save and invest for the future. And she was worried because as a business owner, she didn't have, you know, a pension or anything like that from a company. And so we really worked together on ways to, you know, ensure that she is meal prepping, making sure she's grocery shopping properly, uh, all of that. And then a really cutting down on her eating out and she was able to start investing. And so um, it's been a few months now and she's already into the investing world and she's enjoying it. She's making some returns. She's contributing to it on a monthly basis and she's able to stay on track. And it's just a matter of that clarity piece was big for her was that she just didn't know where it was going. She knew she had a number that she had to attain every single month, but she wanted that clarity. And so off the top of her head, she knows that this is how much her, her mortgage is. This is how much her uh, energy bill is. She knows everything and she knows where every single dollar is going. And she's able to tell that money where to go versus the money telling her Ooh. where it's supposed to go. So um, that's, that's the biggest win uh, for her as well. Oh, I love that. Telling the money where to go. That is so mm. brilliant. So brilliant. My issue is groceries. I have to say being gluten-free and buying, you know, a eight yeah. to $10 loaf of bread, but, uh, I, I do, I do empathize with that for sure. Um, what about, uh, for example, entrepreneurs, like they're always spending, on the next, you know, shiniest course or the next, like people like Shaista and I who love to learn, mm -hmm. right? And we keep buying courses, we're always studying. Uh, I guess that's also an area for entrepreneurs to come back on. Like, what do you see as the biggest challenge that you see in your clients? Yeah, I think for entrepreneurs, the biggest thing is the fact that the income is variable, right? Like it's not oh, yeah. guaranteed, right? It's always, you know, maybe a big lump sum, and then it could be a couple months where there's nothing coming in. And so it's, it's a matter of planning it out. And, and again, really using that um, the framework around it to make sure that when the money comes in, that you're doing everything that's possible. You're paying all your monthly contributions. Um, and maybe for somebody who is an entrepreneur, like a realtor, you know, even um, that gets paid like kind of every so often is to have a separate bank account for their fixed costs and making sure that that's always filled up and then the rest of the money can be saved into a different area you know so um that's always a big thing and i think when it comes to buying items i think for anybody it's uh i always say to implement the 24-hour rule put it in your cart close the cart and go to bed and see if in the morning you really want it because if you're still thinking about it in the morning then you want it but if you're not thinking about it in the morning, like how many times have you found, you know, a, a shirt on sale from the email you've gotten from your favorite store and you put it in your cart. But if you waited and you went to sleep, you probably forgot about it in the morning. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so yeah. true. I'm learning, I'm learning to, to, to do that. I, you know, truth be told right before our interview, I was on Amazon <laughs> trying to get, I'm like picking the little toys out for, um, for Malaya. And, um, we were on, then I had to jump on here and I already, I'm like, well, she doesn't need another set of <laughs> balls. <laughs> so take it out. Uh, yeah. Those are such, such amazing strategies, examples, and experiences that you have shared with us. What else would you like to leave our listeners with today? Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is as women, I feel that uh, sometimes we fear finances, we fear money. Um, we have these kind of things where, you know, our husbands or our male counterparts or our dads or, or somebody will always look after us. And I think um, we really need to change that and really start uh, taking charge for ourselves because there are women, strong women, business owners out there. There are great women out there that are making more money than men. And once we actually start taking good care of our money and investing, um, we're, we're going to be ruling the world. So <laughs> definitely um, something I want to leave all the listeners with is don't don't let fear hold you back. You know, and so if mm -hmm. you have a bunch of statements sitting on your desk that you haven't opened, just open one today. You know, maybe just open one, just start with one. Sarah, you have been so inspiring today. Like this conversation has actually made me excited. Oh, I feel I so empowered. <laughs> I feel so empowered just listening to you and your story is so empowering and you've come such a long way. And now that the fact that you help women to be empowered in this area, because even teaching women's empowerment, this area is often overlooked, yeah. right? And because women have been oppressed for so long, this is an area that we haven't even, you know, dove into yet. So yeah. I'm really, it's really beautiful, heartwarming to speak to you. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners find you and find out more about your work and how you can help them? So on social media, um, you can connect with me. I'm on Instagram, Zara Kaku. I'm on Facebook as Zara Kaku. Um, just send me a DM and uh, we can always chat and see where things go from there. Mm -hmm. And Kaku is with a K, right? K yes, K-H-A-K-O-O. K-H-A-K-O-O. -O. All right. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank we, you. We, it was such an honor to have you. We're so enlightened and this was a very needed conversation and we're so happy that you were here. So thank you. And we will talk to you next week on our next episode. Thank you for being here and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the I Am Mom Parenting Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow us and head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. We invite you to check out the show notes for this episode and click on the link to join our free Facebook community to stay connected and continue the conversation with other like-minded moms. Until next time, stay inspired, take action, and create magic.